If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked, episode 565. That is a palindrome. It's October 12th, 2022. Ryan McCaffrey, as always, joined by Miranda Sanchez. Hello. Hi, hello. Stella Chung, how are you? I'm good. Just got back from TwitchCon, and I know I did not jump into the foam pit, so... Thank goodness, because you could have (laughs) legitimately been seriously hurt, as a couple of people unfortunately were. Uh, you might not be sitting here today because you might be sitting on like a foam donut in a hospital, yep. <laughs> which is, it, so- it sounds like I'm making a joke, but I'm absolutely not making a joke. And yeah, I wonder if they're going to get sued. I don't know if you guys saw the video. She they like are. jumped in. Oh yeah. It. No, it I was, was like, yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. I mean, that's the last thing you expect if you, if there is a foam pit that has the express yeah. <laughs> purpose of being able to kind of flop around in. Oh, lesson learned. The, 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 and hopefully, uh, hopefully the people that got hurt will get a, a yeah be compensated yes. for yeah for their <laughs> literally for their pain and suffering. Anyway, uh, Xbox, we're going to talk about that. That's fine. Real quick, yeah. Oh, hey, <laughs> uh, Destin, Destin in yeah. LA. You know, bam. Hi everybody. Out of mind. What are you going to do? It's it's your fault. You moved. You moved away. I blame this on you. Yeah. No, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> that was easy that was quick I'll take it <laughs> now destin how are you from los angeles doing great uh bamtastic some might say <laughs> well good 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 uh the audience can be doing well also if they sign up for ign.com slash rewards how's that for a plug our revamped prime program is up now ign.com slash rewards it's free for everyone there is a paid tier and i'll just tell you the whole spiel here real quick so we have 20 plus perks and discounts that gamers that we think gamers are actually going to care about because we're gamers ourselves we have discounts on dream gear power a humble bundle the ign store and an opportunity to win one of five ign dx racer gaming chairs new stuff's being posted every week and then if you become an ign plus subscriber that would be the paid portion we've also got free games and in-game content including the game kingdom we've got a free map genie plus subscription that's useful for helping get through your video games and track what you're up to in these giant open world uh, maps that are all over every game plus you are helping to support ign shows like this one. We have a special launch promotion going right now, IGN Plus, for just $29.99 for a year. That is a limited time offer. That's just $2.50 a month. So again, head on over to IGN.com slash rewards. All right. House business out of the way. Let's get to our big topic, starting with, what else? Xbox Game Pass. It's uh, We're going to start really feeling the benefits of it more and more as these games start to come out, like Scorn. Scorn's out this Friday. That's a big Xbox exclusive. We're going to be talking to the art producer later on in the podcast. His name is Lazar Mesaros. We had a really good chat with him that we just recorded. But to you, it will happen in just a few minutes. So we'll talk Scorn shortly. But Game Pass, uh, Destin, I'm going to start with you since I rudely omitted you from the top. Reportedly generating 
nearly $3 billion, $2.9 billion just on console last year, calendar year 2021, according to documents from Brazil's Administrative Council for Economic Defense. This story comes via gamesindustry.biz, who says the figures were shared by Tweaktown based on documents released by the aforementioned Council for Economic uh, Defense, Council for Administrative, boy, I don't know how that acronym works out. It goes from, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. Anyway, from the Brazilian regulatory authorities, uh, revenue made from Game Pass on PC was not included. There wasn't any further detail about this number, but Microsoft's Xbox business generated $16.3 billion in 2021, meaning Game Pass represented 18% of the segment's revenue, again, just on console. It also represented 30% of the company's games and services category, which had reached $12.6 billion in revenue in 2021. As of January of this year, the most recent figure we have, there were 25 million Game Pass subscribers. Destin, talk to me about, give me a little context. Tell me what you think of this $2.9 billion Game Pass number for 2021. Well, because Microsoft keeps their analytics so locked down, which is a little frustrating to be completely honest, we only know that this is revenue. We don't know their profit margin sure. because there's a lot of deals we don't know about that they're making for these games. We do know that they paid, I believe it was $2.3 million for ARC. So we have yes. that analytic to build off of for their exclusivity window for ARC. And I believe they're paying $2.5 million for ARC 2 to be exclusive for three years. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the $2.9 billion... Well, on Game Pass. They're paying for it on Game Pass. Correct. Correct. So if you look at the $2.9 billion and what they're able to do with that money in terms of supporting developers, which we'll hear a little more about during the interview with the Scorn uh, creator, you see a lot of positivity sort of happening in the games industry. So I'm really happy to hear that, yes, Game Pass is sustainable, it sounds like it's profitable, but I would love to hear that directly from Microsoft as opposed to the, the cost-benefit analysis here. But uh, my reaction to it is it seems like they're doing good things with re that $3 billion that they're generating. And that makes me happy. Stella, $2.9 last year uh, probably doesn't even account for growth. Well, not probably. It definitely doesn't account for growth. <laughs> This year, so this number two point nine billions only going to go up, right? Yeah, I mean it makes sense. I mean, uh, so consoles I feel like are more um, readily accepted by the public because it's like, oh, hey, little Timmy wants to play games, get him the newest console, right? And then it's like, oh, what's the cheapest way to give him games? Oh, look, there's this pass with all these other games that he can just download and you know try out different games, and I don't have to constantly go out and find him a game to buy. So it's, it's one of those things where I feel like it's just more readily available for people. So of course on console, there would be a lot of sales. Um, I know for PC, there are a lot of people like me and other friends who are like, oh, I finally upgraded my PC and I don't have any games to play. But then, oh, just for the very low price of Game Pass, I can have all of this, which is great. So um, yeah, I feel like this is only gonna go up because of course those people talk and it's like, Hey man, it's a subscription you could forget about every month and you just have those games in your library. And there are plenty of, of these types of services on PC. Like Game Pass is, has competition. There's uh, Ubisoft's, which I don't, was that Ubisoft Plus? Is that what they call it? There's, uh, there's EA has theirs. Mm. Um, I feel like I might even be leaving one out too, but, but certainly Game Pass arguably has the best I mean, it's, since it's not locked into one publisher, you have the best yeah. variety of stuff mm -hmm. on Game Pass. So that's immediately is an advantage yeah, for I Microsoft. Mean, like, day one releases, that's huge. So yeah, absolutely. Miranda, your thoughts here. $2.9 billion just from consoles uh, generated, that's the re revenue generated by Game Pass last year. I'm curious if that number actually goes down this year since there are fewer major releases. Although the Game Pass subscription isn't just reliant on first party releases, I see that as a big benefit for a lot of folks who are interested in Xbox games. Uh, so I'm curious, that's what I'm really curious about to see how that fluctuates with this year. But next year, of course, there's, there's a lot going to be a lot there for us to dig into on Game Pass, which will be really nice. And sort of Stella building on your point as well, like it's just very an obvious way to sell to like a parent, parental figure yeah. or like guardian or friend be like, hey, this is basically like Netflix 
for video mm-hmm. games. Uh, and it just makes it so easy. And of course, the service itself is like expanding onto other platforms that makes it more accessible and easier to get to for mm-hmm. other other folks out there who don't necessarily have an Xbox. So, yeah, I mean, your your point about the ebb and flow of subscribers is a valid one. I mean, you you would as- you might assume, well, of course, subscribers are only ever going to go up. But you're right. Like this this number is a 2021 number, and in 2021, in fact, just the fall of 2021, you had Psychonauts 2 hit Game Pass. You had uh, Forza Horizon 5 hit Game Pass. You had Halo Infinite hit Game Pass. Uh, and then on the third party side, you had Back for Blood was mm-hmm. a, you know, that was a big get on the third party side. And sadly, as we've unfortunately had to talk about this year, there hasn't been a lot uh, yeah. this year. And again, we're looking forward to next year, but People do. I mean, we all do it with our our TV streaming services, where we don't necessarily keep them all year. You it's know, you're going to drop right? one. You're going to you're going to maybe grab subscribe for a month to catch up on some shows that you missed. And there's no reason to believe people aren't doing that with Game Pass as well. So, yeah, I mean, you're right that the future. I mean, 2023 should be quite a year of growth mm-hmm. for Game Pass. But but yeah, I mean, I, I do wonder how the numbers have gone this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ultimately, though, I just want to see them, of course, stick with Game Pass. I don't see a world where they're just like, you know what? <laughs> Never mind. But uh, just to see that it is doing well is is what I'd like to see, because I want them to keep growing it and keep yeah. expanding its benefits and um, playing with that field. And of course, getting a lot of visibility for developers. Maybe we wouldn't have checked out before. And now we can pretty easily. Yeah. And, and I guess what I would want to say about this is I really like $2.9 billion in, in a, in one year, just on the console. I mean, to me, that seems like the floor. I mean, yeah, this year hasn't been the best year for enticing people to get on game pass with new shiny, new AAA things. But number one, uh, to Stella, your point earlier, I mean, the PC space is going to keep growing. And I think, you know, PC game pass clearly the, the 25 million number, that's going to skew way more towards standard console Game Pass subs than than Ultimate subs or PC Game Pass subs. But there's there's only more room to grow on the PC gaming space as as the idea sinks in. Uh, people get used to the idea that, oh, yeah, no, everything Microsoft's doing is on PC now. For instance, we're still also waiting for that Riot deal. To, That's true. To kick in. Like, so if you guys don't remember, Riot and Game Pass have like a cool deal going on where you get a lot of their premium access stuff is going to be just available through Game Pass on PC. So it's like, oh, you want to play every champion in League of Legends? Just subscribe, and now you got all of them. And it's just, there's a lot of cool things that they have integrated there, and they have the same, of course, for Valorant and other things too, um, which is honestly really enticing. Like, if I knew that in college, because I played a lot of League games then, that I would have done it. But just it's sure. just a good investment, and if you want to have more flexibility, you don't have to invest a ton of money. Yeah, I mean, and again, this yeah, this is why I think it's this two point nine billion is the floor because mm-hmm. PC is going to grow, and then you know next year when it's Redfall, it's Starfield, it's Diablo four, hopefully Hellblade two makes it next year, plus a bunch of stuff. I mean, Arc two is supposed to hit next year, which Destin alluded to earlier. We're going to talk about that again in a second like i know we've been saying wait till next year but like there will be a lot of reasons if you're not already subscribing to game pass i feel like next year they're gonna see see not just growth but a spike next year stella you're nodding your head in agreement (laughs) yeah i mean there's a lot that i mean there's a lot coming out and if you can get it all on one central service why not i mean i don't understand why you wouldn't at least try it, right? Because you get that trial if you haven't made an account before either. So I don't know. And and they're always constantly like, I know with Discord, if you do like the subscription service with Discord, they also give you like three months free of PC or Xbox Game Pass as well. So there are constantly deals for it, which is so smart because once people get a feel for it, they're like, ah, you know what? This is worth the money. Like I want to continue playing this game. So I will sub. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we forget, we sometimes forget to mention that, games that are on game pass you can still buy them and you can do so at a discount mm-hmm. through yeah. game pass too which is which is so you know in case it ever does leave the service you've you can still own it and you'll have gotten it for a for a bit of a deal 
This week's Podcast Unlocked is brought to you by NordVPN. Hey, if you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts, NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is showing that event. No more blackouts. It's also good for plenty of other stuff like protecting your private data, your bank details, your passwords, your online identity. You can protect your data while you're traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. NordVPN threat protection also protects you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, great way to go. To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash Unlocked without the E. That's N O R D VPN dot com slash U N L O C K D, and that'll give you four extra months on the two year plan. And best of all, there's no risk with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash unlocked without the E. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Destin, on a related note, thanks to some SEC filings here in the U.S., we now know that Sony paid $3.5 million to put ARC 1, ARC Survival Evolved, on PlayStation Plus for a month, while Microsoft paid $2.5 million to put it on Game Pass for six months this year. And as, as you mentioned, looking forward to ARC 2, Microsoft paid $2.3 million to guarantee that ARC 2 would be on Game Pass for three years upon its release next year. And I'm not, I don't mention that as, as really like a, I'm not looking for a console fanboy war thing. But really, to me, Destin, what's interesting is we're, we, we talk about this a lot on the podcast where the whole business of Game Pass is, looks like a dark art. It's, it's just a, it's a, it's a veil of, it's shrouded in a veil <laughs> of mystery. And we, and we always wonder like, okay, well, what are the actual deals? Destin, here we, we see what one of the actual deals is. Does this strike you as too much, not enough? Like, what's your, your kind of just gut reaction to Microsoft getting ARC 2 on Game Pass for three years for $2.3 million? Uh, it was $2.5 million for ARC 2, I believe. Is that correct? Or was ARC 2 2.3? I can't remember. Uh, it was the anyway. Two, yeah, it doesn't matter. They're close enough I, figures. I, I, I kept <laughs> mixing them up, but... Uh, when you compare it to what Sony paid, think about it. Sony is actually just giving that game away to their, what is it, 114 million subscribers to PlayStation Plus. So anybody who hits that download button uh, gets the original arc for nothing, and they just get to keep it in perpetuity. And I believe it said that whatever uh, obligations were met the first day it was live. So I have to imagine they hit the download threshold or whatever was in the contract to meet that for the PlayStation brand. Now, inversely, uh, Xbox is paying less for that original arc on Xbox Game Pass, but that game came out at a time when Xbox wasn't doing so hot. So the install base was lower, Game Pass subscribers were lower. So potentially they ended up paying a higher premium 
or fewer users, fewer overall users to have access to the original art. That all said, the fact that they liked it enough to charge them less for ARC 2 to come to Xbox Game Pass for several years, three years to be precise, is is pretty interesting to me. I, I find that interesting. I have to wonder if Microsoft gave them a little bit of capital towards their development costs, and that's why they were charged a lower fee. Regardless, it seems like developers like Game Pass and that this is a service that several developers are very interested in, in working with. And the my favorite thing about it is we get to see things come to life that we likely would not have without it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Miranda, Destin makes a point there of it, Game Pass is, is not just all first-party stuff. It is clearly working to the point where third-party developers, including, I mean, Ark is a big name. The first mm -hmm. one did very well. Like, big-name developers keep signing on to it, and so that clearly means You'd something is it. going right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, we love to see it because we benefit <laughs> from it, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that it is enticing enough and that Microsoft is able to work out these deals uh, to confirm those numbers you both said earlier are correct. So it is $2.3 to guarantee R2 would be featured on Xbox Game Pass for three years. And I... It's weird to get the timing early. It's weird to say, like, we, we have the insight to when this is at least for sure going to be there. Because we do know that some games do leave Game Pass periodically. And it's always just a little sad. But sometimes they actually come back, too. That's true. I've seen, like, some go out and then come back. So uh, I'm glad that we keep getting these stories of developers seemingly liking Game Pass. Because ultimately, if this service is only benefiting us, well, like, that's great. But... Holistically, I want it to also be a good ecosystem for the developers too. Obviously, discoverability is a huge thing. Like I've definitely gone out and played games and been like, this is awesome, but I actually want to go play it on my Switch or I'd rather go play on my Steam Deck so then I just go buy it somewhere else and get to play it more. And I appreciate that there is that aspect to it, although I know there's still problems with it as far as like finding things. And I think, I don't know how much you guys have played with the Xbox Game Pass or just the Xbox app on PC, but I don't use the I, I'm always just right on the Xbox console. Yeah, because I'm never I play, on the PC app. I play a fair I, bit. I use it often. Okay, I use it pretty often for stream because sometimes I'll just like play random indie games and I want like I want something that's wholesome or nice for, for like winding down. And that library is a lot more it's a lot smaller, but it's pretty helpful too to find things that I wouldn't have seen before. And so it is really nice to be able to find those filtered items pretty quickly. Though I think as we've talked about, discoverability is still a little bit of a challenge unless you're like going out there and seeking something different. Um though shout out to the Xbox Game Pass Twitter because they are very good and I like just their social media presence yeah. as well. But that all being said, kind of bringing it back, it was just more so I'm glad that it seems to be a good benefit overall for these third parties and other developers. And I think we're always going to come back to that too. You know, I keep crawling on year after year on this podcast about wanting Xbox Live Arcade and Live Arcade <laughs> Wednesdays to come back. Seriously though, how about Game Pass Wednesdays or Game Pass Fridays or something where, because the you know there's always we always give you the dates for when new stuff's coming to Game Pass. Mm -hmm. Like why not make a like make a day out of it, make a thing out of it on on the dashboard and, and uh, you know make eventize it more. One of the things I think they could really leverage more to do something like what you're talking about is the Microsoft Rewards program. I play a lot of games I never would have touched yeah. because they end up being weekly challenges mm -hmm. or something like that. And if that was just showing on the dashboard hey, we'll give you points to, do, to check out this game. Like, you're already somewhat incentivized to do so. You know, so uh, I, I agree with you, Ryan. I would love to see more games highlighted on, on the dash, uh, enticing you to check out things you probably wouldn't. Uh, Stella, Destin had hit on something that I wanted to, to dig into a little more. I mean, he made a good point about... Uh, you know, we don't even the 2.3 million for Arc 2 on Game Pass for three years isn't necessarily the full picture, and and every developer, every publisher might have a different arrangement where, you know, there could some there could be Destin. You kind of alluded to it of of oh, you know, covering some development costs or yeah. or some other some other aspect of this. Like, um, yeah, what like what other models do you think 
are probably in place for this that we're not reading about because there there's certainly other enticements that can be <laughs> that can be dangled for these developers. Yeah, I mean, I think when we interviewed Tunix developer, like he talked about yes. the support that Xbox was able to give them, and also high on life devs. I was able to talk to them at Gamescom, and they also said that you know their studio was fairly small, but then when Xbox came in, they were able to give them more resources and help. So it's like, that's something that Microsoft can do for developers like this, which is awesome and it's great. And I know that ARC, the original ARC, took forever because it was in alpha. Um, I yeah. played it when it was in early alpha. That was before like they finished it and shipped it with like $30 that you could buy the game. Um, and I, I know that was a very long and tedious process. And I also know that they um, did suffer from the initial release because people were like, well, we saw this game in development. And this was back when early access was everything. Everyone was releasing early accesses on like the days of DayZ. Um, so I'm sure that some stability in getting the resources and the help that they need in developing the next game and making sure that the development process is not like two years long after being in early access I'm pretty sure that was a pretty big reason why they decided to take the deal with Microsoft, which is great. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll just close this topic and before we move on to the next one by saying, I don't know, to me, 2.3 mil for three years of Game Pass feels cheap. That feels, <laughs> that feels like a great deal for Microsoft to, uh, to have people, you know, another big, big draw into your ecosystem for, I mean, what is that? It's like, that's like eight, 800, 750K a year for for three years that seems like a good deal uh all right the other topic i wanted to cover this week is arcane our friends at arcane who have made death loop which is now out on xbox finally after the one year playstation exclusivity Yay. that'll never happen again now that microsoft owns bethesda uh arcane has confirmed that death loop takes place in the future of the universe First built in the Dishonored games. Stella, already celebrating. This is good because <laughs> I think you and I feel a little differently about this. Oh. The confirmation comes by way of Deathloop director and Arcane Lion studio director, uh, Dinga Bakaba, who appeared on the official Xbox podcast alongside Arcane Austin studio director, Harvey Smith. Uh, Bakaba said the team didn't want to make this connection too obvious and front-facing as it wanted Deathloop to have a story and identity that stood on its own, but that didn't mean it couldn't use the game to explore what would happen after the events of Death of the Outsider, the final uh, content for Dishonored 2. Quote, as we were making Deathloop, we said, hey, this story could be one of the things that could happen after Death of the Outsider. So we have a certain timeline to link that, and there are a lot of clues actually in the game. There are some that are abused. One of them is really spoiler, but there are a lot of small things and uh, some that were under people's noses the whole time, but people are just figuring it out. So you are happy about this connection, Stella, to the I Dishonored mean, world. I, maybe not like this connection specifically, but like I picked up on it when I played the game. There's like a very specific thing that happens at the end that you're just like, oh, that's really cool. So this takes place in like the future of this whole thing, which is really cool. And again, this is, Deathloop is one of those games that I will constantly say just has a great story, but also the fact that there are so many environmental clues to like what else happened in the universe is really, really cool. Because the, the whole point of the game is that these people like reset their brains so much that they kind of end up forgetting, right? Like you have yeah. to do a memory purge in order to stay sane after like dying and reliving so many times. Um, so it's really cool. I'm, I'm just happy that I picked up on it and I was right, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you were correct. Yes. And yeah, and and just a reminder for everybody, Deathloop now on Game Pass. IGN gave this game a 10 when it came out. So it is not one to be missed. Uh Miranda, your yes. thoughts on on uh Arcane making an Arcane verse. So I don't disagree with the comment you're going to make. <laughs> but at the same time, I love Arcane's games. I fiercely love Dishonored and that universe. And I appreciate that there's a connection here, even though it's very loose. And so I think I'm, I'm down for it because this gives a better understanding of 
the future of the Dishonored games in a yeah. way, but, but not really being tied to that world in any significant way, which is what I like. I think playing within a universe of ideas is really fun. So whenever I think about that in ways that I think are more enjoyable are sort of how Brandon Sanderson's approach of it was. So he often says, so he's a, an author who wrote um, Stormlight Archive, Mistborn, and a bunch of other stuff. He's actually working on a video game that got announced, which is really cool. Um, and his approach is that each of these stories should be their own thing. Like they're connected, but they're also not. And if you if you know the connections, you're just better off for it. Like you just enjoy it a little bit differently. And that's kind of how I see them building this. It's like, oh yeah, they're connected, but they don't have to be. I mean, they are, but it doesn't matter if you know. You just if you do know, though, you know, you know. You know? <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, exactly that's, like that. And that's the, and that's where I'm. What I'm gonna say is like again, I, I'll preface this by saying I'm not at all really upset about this in any real way, but. I, I will say my reaction to this was to roll my eyes a little bit just because it just seems like, like, does everything have to be connected to other things now? Like that, while the MCU has been, uh, you know, the MCU will get its own chapter in the history of, oh, of sure. film you know, as, as we look back on it, if you were to go back to the beginning, but possibly my least favorite, uh, thing that has come out of the MCU is now everybody feeling like everything's got to be tied together in its own cinematic universe. But that's all. I'm totally being an old man yelling at a cloud. I recognize that Deathloop is still a great game on its own to your exact point, Miranda, but it is still just like, really? Can it, can it not just be Deathloop? It's got to be, there's got to be this other, this other thing going on. So I think it's a little silly, but still doesn't change the fact that this is a 10 out of 10 video game. Destin, are you are you with me or uh or do you love this this little connection <laughs> that they've established? I like the little connection they've established. I don't yeah. I don't think it does any harm because it's No, no, yeah. I, I I I agree with Miranda that it's quite minor and it's really for fans of that franchise, right? For me, I don't really care about Dishonored that much, so I'm still excited about Redfall and the fact that there's little interesting tidbits in there about a game that I haven't played or, well, I've played them, but I haven't completed them, uh, might give me more incentivization to go back and check out that world. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really see it as a negative at all. I, I think it's kind of cool that there's a little bit of lore to dive into for super fans, you know? Well, uh, I guess I'll, I'll finish by posing the question to Miranda. So now, <laughs> Miranda, person yes. who is super looking forward to Redfall. Yeah. If Redfall, are you expecting Redfall to be in some way, shape, or form connected to this Dishonored Death Loop verse? And if it's not, are you going to be now disappointed? So, like, have has this sort of changed your thinking about about what to expect story wise from Redfall? Does does the does the uh, Dishonored Loop verse now have vampires in it, or should it have vampires in it as well? Well, the vampires are made in a laboratory, so it could technically happen. So you're not breaking other lore, but anyway, no. <laughs> no, 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 it's totally, I don't expect it to be, and I would not be disappointed if it's not. I think it's, I'm just excited for it. <laughs> That's all that matters. All right. Uh, stick with us. We're going to come right back and interview Lazar Mesaros. He is the art producer on Scorn. We are very pleased to be joined this week by Lazar Mesaros. He is the art director on Scorn, which is a big Xbox exclusive dropping this Friday uh, and a big Xbox exclusive this fall. Lazar, welcome. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, hello, hello. Uh, I think uh, I um, my my role is a art producer for now because uh, Lubomir was the art director, just so we can make that uh, clear for start. I can talk about production and uh, mostly most of those things you got it all right we'll, okay. we'll yell at your pr guy later for telling me you were the art director but uh or we'll just okay. promote we'll just yeah you can just be every yeah, you can everything. just promote me yeah that's that's, <laughs> all that's good. fine uh well but art we def definitely want to talk about the art of this video game because everybody all the xbox fans have seen it everybody's ready for this friday you're coming out a week earlier than you originally had said so that's awesome we've got something to play this weekend now, I have to start with the obvious. Scorn is, visually speaking, gross. And I mean that in the very nicest of ways as a compliment. So where did the look of the game come from? 
Well, that's a, that's a huge compliment. It was uh, our intention to make things as gross as possible, definitely. And um, the look of the game uh, mostly came from the inspiration of two surrealist painting painters from the 20th century. So uh, uh, Giger is a very famous uh, painter that inspired the Alien franchise. And the other uh, is uh, Zdyslav Beksinski. I think he's a Polish painter and um, he painted some really nightmarish stuff so we tried cramming those two guys together and uh, tried to make a whole world out of the, those artworks and fit tried to make both uh, of those uh, uh, artistic styles fit together so basically that was the the starting point for the visual development and if you could describe the world of scorn like in just one sentence like how would you describe this world visually speaking uh, yeah, the, in one sentence, the most uh, simple way to describe it is like looking at a surrealist painting. So we wanted that kind of an experience when you uh, stand in front of, of a painting that uh, is uh, that has all kinds of information on it and you don't really know what that is and you just have the experience of uh, looking at it and it, it evokes a certain emotion. So basically it's a, it's a surrealist painting inspired world. Yeah, I actually want to say uh, thank you for not making an alien uh, outer space thing look clean and polished and make it look fleshy and gross. Because, of course, why wouldn't alien tech have, like, weird little, like, yeah, it's organic. It's, and, like, yeah. yeah. Like, why wouldn't it use organic technology, which is really cool? Um, so, as, I, I, this is a question for me. Please. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you wanted to fit the story to this, like, gross-looking world so how much of the story was influenced by the artwork that you saw versus um like how, how did it bounce off each other uh well the the story was based on uh from when lubomir uh, uh made the whole idea for the game he started from the narrative that he wanted to uh tell people and it mostly was influenced by uh, um, uh the existential philosophy of 20th century so he tried to build a narrative around that, and he found that these two guys fit in that narrative. So, uh, and the narrative, I use the word kind of loosely since uh, the most of the experience comes from the feelings that the game evokes, not specifically the story, what exactly happens, but what happens to you as a player, as you experience the world. So uh, if I get back to your question, it, uh, it, the the world itself was built upon an idea using the visual languages of the two painters. So they both have something very distinct that we kind of hold on to and build around that, uh, around those uh, pillars. So if I uh, may add a little bit of detail, so the the biomechanical and the the the, the structure uh, of the world, the repetitiveness of stuff came from eager and the mood the atmosphere the decadence of the place came from Beksinski. so we mashed these two together to fit inside the original uh, narrative of the of the world uh, that uh, Lubomir wanted players to experience Destin you got a question um I really like how you don't do a lot of explaining how to do things like even here in the gameplay now there's not really a HUD. There's some directions on the right, but you kind of just figure it out organically. I think that really adds to the experience of discovering this alien world and planet and how to use everything. Is that something you arrived at early on in development to approach it that way for the player? Yes, uh, it was uh, definitely something that we uh, strived for from the start. The HUD that we implemented in the game was the bare uh, minimum that we needed for the player to understand how to interact with the world. But the rest is all um, uh, just uh, try to go through the world, find things and just uh, look at the world. That's uh, uh, what I was talking about earlier. The, the player experience is the, 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 the story itself comes from your experience. So that's why we didn't want to clutter it with anything that would uh, not be inside uh, the world. So everything is perceived inside the, the 3D space that the, that the game uh, makes. So we're, we're looking at some gameplay from the early part of Scorn now. We, all three of us have played it. 
Uh, even Miranda, who hates scary games, is uh, sh- she'll be joining us on the podcast here again in a little bit. She's out there. She was she was playing it right before we came in. So Lazar, I'm curious. Without spoiling anything, do you have a favorite? section of the game visually that we should be looking out for oh definitely the finale yeah the (laughs) the final level of the game and the things that happen in that part of the game are really something i think uh with a dose of confidence i could say it's it's not been seen a lot in video games done in that manner so uh, just the aesthetics of the level, the architecture, and the things that happen are just like really, really uh, intense. It's an intense experience. Destin. Are you able to? Yeah, are you able to tell us any more about the partnership with Microsoft and any of the advantages that being on Game Pass were able to give your development team? Well, uh, as far as uh, our cooperation, definitely we had a lot of uh, support on their end to make the game work very well on their console. So it's definitely a huge plus. We had a support that I believe a lot of developers uh, uh, would love to have in that way. So we we had um, an intense period of certification for the console. So the game uh, works really well and those guys helped a lot. They helped a lot about optimization and stuff and also uh, media coverage and stuff like that. So it, it was all some uh, a very, it was a blessing for us in that moment. So it enabled us to make the game in this quality uh, throughout the game. So we don't need to cut stuff out and, uh, you know, uh, just every everything with their support, we managed to create everything to look the way we wanted it to look. Uh, yeah, speaking of not cutting any quality, um, how did the pandemic affect your team's development on this? Because I know a lot of different studios had to bring mocap capture to home and stuff. So how did the pandemic affect your development process? It's a, it's a really interesting question. And uh, the one uh, that I'm really proud of the team, uh, when we uh, got hit by uh, lockdown here, everybody just like um, went home. We uh, have n- never uh, worked remotely before that since we're, we were not uh, such a big team at that point. And everybody went home. We um, made uh, some servers to talk and to uh, VPNs and stuff. And everybody pushed an extra mile for that. And I think that part of uh, production when we did the trailers on two, uh, 2020 were very productive for us. It's, uh, I, I know it's uh, weird to say, but uh, I don't look at uh, the downs as something that slowed us down. It made us uh, a stronger, better organized uh, team. So it was definitely a, a good lesson learned in that moment. You know, on that note, uh, I, I'm curious, Lazar, it's, we, ha- we have seen this game, like, you know, we first saw it, it was part of that original third-party next-gen Xbox showcase in May of 2020, and we've kind of been wondering ever since, oh, when's it coming out? Like, it's, it's been a long road, so, you know, has, uh, have, has the, a lengthy development time, like, how do you kind of, do you feel like you got where you wanted to get to eventually or or is there did it end up being where you've just got a lot of stuff in your head for a sequel already uh well uh the get the idea the main idea of uh, of this game was uh we developed it as as much as we could for this game and when it closes i think uh as far as this uh, type of uh, or this world we are we're not currently thinking about expanding it more i think this is a very like a uh, closed uh, ca- uh, story that uh, if we did some uh, cliffhangers or stuff like that it wouldn't definitely work the idea wouldn't wouldn't be you know uh, rounded as well so uh, we managed to through the lengthy development process kind of learn the ways how we can ship this and package it into uh, a good product. And I think we succeeded in that. What carries in the future is still something that we talk about. We have a lot of things on our uh, now for the future, but we'll see how this pans out uh, in this moment. Destin? 
What was one of the biggest challenges you had with creating the world? You brought up that uh, you were very happy for the help. What was uh, an issue that you found challenging to overcome and how did you overcome it? Well, as you can see from the videos, like everything in the world uh, is basically custom made. So uh, there's so much uh, sculpting and uh, like artistic work that's gone into this game. Uh, and it was a very big challenge to create something like this. So uh, the, creating a pipeline that can produce uh, uniform results was a very big uh, undertaking. We spent a lot of time designing our uh, processes of production. Uh, the other part for me that I was uh, able to, you know, uh, process is like um, the art style of this game doesn't have uh, any foothold in reality in whatever sense uh, we are talking about. So there is nothing that is uh, a reference that can be uh, uh, an anchor point, not just for the artist, but for, for the one who has the experience, the, what was the point of the experience itself. So it was very difficult to create a game that doesn't have any good references for uh, creating stuff. So if you have a table, you can just like look up a lot of images of tables and we don't have tables here and it's all abstract. And uh, as far as that goes, the architecture was very difficult to create. Uh, and so it looks interesting, but also it, so it looks like it's grounded. So you understand that your scale of existence in the world fits the scale of the world. It was very, very difficult to create a sense of presence inside uh, the world that looks like nothing you've seen before. So the architecture, the production pipeline for the assets and for modeling department, uh, it was uh, something that we struggled a lot. And I think, as I, I mean, I, I, I'm very proud of the, the result. It really looks like, uh, like the Lubomir intended. And I'm very proud that I had the ability to participate in it. You know, on that note, Lazar, I'm curious what artistically, how how freeing was it? How what how much fun did you get to have by uh, making this a next gen only title for Xbox Series and PC? Like, is it is it really textures? Is that the big thing where you don't really you know you can get all the texture detail in there? Can you can you kind of speak to the next gen aspect of it? Well, the, the next gen aspect of it was basically we didn't have to worry about a lot of things that was uh, extremely difficult in the past. So uh, all of the game was done uh, using uh, uh, sculpting tools like ZBrush and it was hand textured. So there's a lot of texture in there and there's a lot of polygons in there. So uh, since there are no flat surfaces, each surface needs to have a lot of polygons to describe the shape. And uh, we ended up uh, in one moment when we were uh, on uh, on the beginning, we had a lot of bottle, bottlenecks in rendering because uh, the, um, it was just too poly heavy or too texture heavy. So everything was heavy. And uh, when the next gen consoles came around, we had the experience of like starting the game first time on the console development kit and the game basically ran uh, uh, as intended. So DirectX, 12 uh, was implemented in the console. It helped a lot with the uh, um, like draw call issues and stuff like that, poly count. And uh, the a large amount of bandwidth for memory and uh, for um, a CPU power enabled us to have like really good performance on the console. So uh, to have this result, it would definitely not be possible uh, to create it for something that was seven or eight or nine years old at that point. It would definitely, the, the visual aesthetic of it would suffer a lot. And I guess the last question I would have before we let you go here is, oh, Destin, you want to jump in? You got another one? Go <laughs> I, for it. I, I had, I would want to ask you curious about, so like hypothetically, let's say Scorn does really well for you. If given the opportunity, would you make a Scorn sequel or would you want to create something from scratch with a new art style? Uh, what would be your choice? Well, uh, me personally, I've lived with this art style for so long. Uh, it's, uh, it's something that I would definitely love to do again. Uh, and um, 
but I think we can uh, try as a studio with this experience creating a world like this. I can only imagine what we can do with something a bit uh, different. We will definitely not go in opposite direction, but I would uh, I would love to see what we can come up with uh, next. And we're talking and doing stuff on it. And I think uh, uh, those things are very promising. But as far as, you know, uh, creating like a sequel to Scorn, I don't think and in the uh, concept of the game, I think it would break the, the basic concept of the experience of the player. So uh, maybe do something that is uh, similar uh, to the player experience, absolutely. But create this world again would seem uh, uh, like, um, uh, I, I would say, I'm kind of, I don't have a, a, a adequate word for it, but I, I think it would be, it would start to get mundane. Yeah. Maybe for, for people. So to seeing something extremely unique twice, I think it would be definitely take away from the experience. Boy, how, how refreshing to hear a developer yeah. just say, this is this we well, this is what we wanted to say, and it's not the start of some mega franchise that, that we want to spin off into thirty seven different things. That is, uh, it's art for the sake of art. I love that, Maz uh, Lazar. It's um, the the last question I've got for you is that if anybody's been watching the video version and they've seen the gameplay that's been playing as we've been talking to you. I think some people might be a little surprised to learn how much of a puzzle game this is. As much as a survival horror, is, it, there are a lot of puzzles in this game. So um, it, is that like, I, I guess I'm curious, do you, do you think you're going to surprise a lot of people with, with the puzzle element of this? Uh, well, <laughs> I think the... It's a different. It's a difficult thing to put uh, a, this kind of a game into a, a genre. Yeah. You know. So I, I think if they have a, like a, a, assumptions about how this game will play, it's definitely some people will get uh, uh, surprised. Some people will, if they don't think about it, will just go through the games. It's the mechanics of playing is basically in service of the experience I was talking about in the in the beginning. So. Um, Putting it inside of a, a like a narrow niche genre would be difficult for me at this moment. So I think uh, we said uh, uh, for genre, uh, for being genre specific, like this is just a puzzle game or this is just a horror game or this is just a first person shooter game would, wouldn't do its uh, justice. So there will be surprises, I believe, from the players. But uh, I what my suggestion for 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 the the guys is like try to just. Uh, have a feeling while you're playing it. Just go through the world, like listen to the the sounds, and like uh, uh, just try to uh, absorb as much as the visuals as possible. And the gameplay element of it is there to service that, not to burden it in a way. So uh, I don't think, uh, and we when we developed it, we didn't think about uh, like genres and de what defines a certain genre. We just uh, went towards the experience. Play with so, head, play with headphones, right? That's a good suggestion yeah, for this definitely. game. Yeah, yes, yes. yes. Uh, and the lights our, out. Uh, play with the lights out. Lights out. Like put the monitors on good settings and uh, try to put the headphones on. If you have uh, like a um, like the five uh, surround system or something like that, it really is an out of out of this world experience. Like the the sound quality of it is like. Really, I'm 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 very uh, you know proud of uh, sharing uh, like working space with those guys. Those guys are very very talented. Well, Lazar, thank you so much, the art producer on Scorn, which is out this Friday on PC and also Xbox and Game Pass as well. So there's no excuse not to fire it up, not to try it out. We are in spooky season. Everybody should give it a go. Uh, Lazar, thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. All right, hope you enjoyed that interview. I want to thank Lazar for taking the time to join up with us here, sit, sit down on Unlocked, and talk a little score. And again, everybody should play it starting this Friday on Game Pass. It's on PC and Series X and Series S. Trivia time. Jared from Georgia, whose gamer tag is Woopay. I'm not quite sure. Woopay? W-O-O-P-A-Y? Woopay. <laughs> Woopay. Yes, Woop. It's like it's payday. That's what you say oh on God. every other Friday. Uh, <laughs> This is a good one. XSN, Xbox Sports Network. 
Oh, this is this is near and dear to my heart. Is is a now defunct service on the original Xbox for games that would allow players to you could actually go on uh, and schedule games and tournaments with your friends. It was pretty cool. Huh. Uh, sadly, it didn't last, obviously. But which of the following XSN supported games did not remain exclusive to the original Xbox forever? So all four of these, I will tell you, started as exclusives. Uh, one of them eventually made its way to other platforms. Was it Lynx 2004, golf game, Rally Sport Challenge 2, rally driving game, Top Spin, tennis game, or Amp 2, snowboarding game? I will go Destin's way first for this one. This is a tough one. I actually, I'm not too sure. I'm going to guess Rally Sport Challenge 2. B. Okay. All right. Developed by Dice. Car game? Yes. Developed by Dice, which is uh, most people are like, wait, what? The Battlefield people dice? Yes, the Battlefield <laughs> people dice. Stella. Um, I was gonna guess B, but I guess I'll go with C. Topspin. Topspin. I honestly right. have no idea you what any of this. Guess the same one as me. No, I'll you know just in case. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know. I, I don't Cover. know. The, the last few trivia questions, I've like my second answer has always been it, and I was looking at tops. <laughs> Okay, we'll just, it's fine, okay. it's fine. So is Top Spin your second answer, and, but you're going with that? You're gonna yeah. try and, all right, so you're you're, you're sort of wrestling with your in your own mind yes. here to, with uh, with the decision-making. Miranda. D, Amps 2. Okay, uh, well, Stella, your strategy proved correct. Oh, yes. yes. Go with your second Finally. gut, <laughs> second gut. Was oh, that the, the backup gut. I thought Top, Top Spin eventually came it was exclusive at first, as I said at the top, before I uh, let you guys answer. Oh, my goodness. Answer. Did not remain exclusive. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Never mind. So, uh, I... I was like, but Top Spoon went to other things. And yeah. I was like, oh, my God. I, I listened. I was not That's listening. That's all right. Stella has tied Miranda for the lead at eight <gasps> Active points. listening, everyone. Please, yeah. active listening. I was listening, and I was like, which one Which one was not, not exclusive? Yeah. Destin at seven points right there, though. So I knew this one. The, uh, we roll on. Yeah, I mean, all four of these games were fantastic, by the way. Lynx 2004, excellent golf game, exclusive to Xbox. Great on Xbox Live with your friends. Just play, you know, for a round of, you know, a foursome of 18 holes. It was great. Hmm. Rally Sport Challenge 2, again, made by Dice. This was a really cool rally racing game. Uh, Top Spin was awesome. I played the heck out of that. I, at one point, got to number 13 on the, the leaderboards for that, the, wow. the rankings. And Amp 2 excellent snowboarding game so all good stuff all good stuff all right uh it's time for us to go i want to thank our producer red in the back and give yourselves some quick plugs here what are you up to destin working on some stuff uh i don't think i can talk about it but anyway lots of stuff for ign coming up keep an eye out for that legarybakery.com for cookies the Destin channel for vloggy videos and twitter at destin legary for jokies all right, he's got it down. Look at that. He's got a whole, got, he's got a whole like uh, a rider that now that, that comes with his appearances on Unlocked. Well, we got to plug seventeen things at the end of Unlocked. That's I'll just, I'll just plug. <laughs> Watch IGN. Yeah, <laughs> Miranda. Uh, you can find me at Havoc Rosens, Havoc with a K on Instagram, Twitch, and Twitter. And on Twitch right now, I'm playing Wolfenstein Youngblood, which is oh, a game nice. about twins. With my twin. Yeah, the, oh, the final, that was that's the really most cute. recent expansion, right? The most mm -hmm. recent content for that one? Yeah, we've had a really good time. So play that on Tuesday nights. Um, I'd like to formally apologize to myself for getting that trivia answer wrong because I just was not listening. I was listening, but I was like, oh, it's Amp 2. No, it's absolutely tops. I knew that one. I'm so mad at myself. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, you, please uh, check us out. Use our Cyberpunk guide. We worked really hard on it. We made sure it's all updated. And of course, uh, there's plenty of guides coming up. We're going to have a guide for Scorn. We're going to have a guide for everything else. So stay tuned. They will be going live as soon as we get to them. Excellent. Stella. Yeah, uh, speaking of Cyberpunk, I've been revisiting that game, so <laughs> using our you guide and everyone for things. Else? Yeah, yeah. it was great. Um, so yeah, that is just I, Parallax Stella everywhere. Um, I don't know, I just got back from TwitchCon, so I'm like really tired, so I'm figuring out like a stream schedule, but I definitely want to get back into Cyberpunk because it's kind of fun. It's, it's a little buggy on PC, but it honestly makes it more endearing, so... It's like Fallout. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I'm on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. High on Life is our IGN first game right now, so we have exclusive content all month long for that. 
I am also working on a game review for a game that people listening to this will care about. If what my could PC, it be? if my PC will cooperate, I am getting the hardest of hard crashes. Oh. Which I don't. Th- I'm not. I don't think it's the game because my PC shuts down. Oh. So I'm like, is this a thermal thing? But like, all my fans are. Wor- I, oh, I don't know. No. I got to figure it out. But anyway, maybe I'm reviewing something. We'll find out. Uh, All right, we're out of here. Thanks, everybody. This was Unlocked 565. See you next week. Welcome. You've got a digital folklore. Monsters lurk in the shadowy corners of the internet. Our darkest fears peer back at us from the depths of the web. We can all... Hey, holy... Hey, Linda Blair. Are you all right? No. Can we maybe do this a different tone? Hey there, I'm Perry Carpenter. And I'm Mason Amadeus. On our podcast, Digital Folklore, we explore monsters, memes, and everything in between. Looking at our digital expressions through the lens of folklore, we break down the stories and communities we create online. And we try to make it a lot of fun. The show is presented in an audio drama style with a narrative and soundscape that's designed to draw you in. We weave insightful research and expert interviews with humor and storytelling. Come check it out. Search Digital Folklore wherever you get your podcasts.